to episode 24 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hello. So Matt visited Melbourne and caught up with our guests for this episode. So Matt, who did you end up catching up with? So Tony Priston is the digital director at advertising agency McCann in Melbourne. So Tony's moved to McCann quite recently from his own company that he had, which was Igloo. So we talked quite a bit about that and that the kind of idea of going from employer to employee. Yep. We also then talk a little bit about uh, this idea of advertising. Like he's in advertising now, which to us is kind of like the dark arts. Uh, <laughs> and so I think he's really kind of trying to break that down and try and, you know, there's, there's some amazing stuff he sort of talks about, the stuff they're doing. And I think that's what one of the things I was really interested in, this idea of, uh, I guess, product. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, advertising agencies are in this position now where they 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 could produce something themselves yeah and it's and it's and tony talks quite a bit about that kind of idea that you know he thinks we're on the cusp of something changing in a big way i hope you enjoy it enjoy guys let's start from the very start very the very start <laughs> um summer 1971 because because i i would say now that you're, you're digital your ux but you started off in a very different area you started in industrial design yeah, yeah. I started, um, that's what I studied. I went to uni and studied industrial design. Why do I do industrial design? Dad was an architect. All right. And uh, at first I, I thought I wanted to do architecture. Actually, I went, well, I went to Melbourne High yeah, and I just did straight science, maths and physics and all that sort of stuff. And then I, I found industrial design and I thought that was a, um, it seemed like a combination of art and science. Mm-hmm. So I went and uh, signed up to that and realised really quickly that maybe I didn't want to do it. And in a panic, I ran down to the architecture school. Literally day one at RMIT, I bolted down there because they'd originally let me into architecture and then they wouldn't let me in. That was it. They said, see you later, mate. You can come back in a year. Yeah. So I stuck with it, yeah, and I did, uh, I did industrial design. Giving your place to someone else. Yeah, gone, gone. So <laughs> RMIT, industrial design. Um, I really didn't do my research that well didn't realize that we don't actually make anything in australia yeah and uh it just sounded like a really cool course to you know i'd be designing cars and all sorts of really cool stuff yeah but um yeah it is all about you know it's all about human needs and that's where you start and uh it's kind of funny because it's amazing how it's all come back to that really people are talking about it now like it's some big amazing new thing mm. But industrial design, you know, we used to do subjects like ergonomics and all that sort of stuff, which was, um, you know, learning how the body worked and what you could and couldn't do. And, uh, you know, because there was no way you could design, you know, a chair or, or anything mm-hmm. without understanding um, how it was going to be used and how someone was going to use it and what the range of their body was and all that sort of stuff. So you spent a lot of time in a research phase. I guess, I, I guess that's really interesting to me. I think... Industrial design makes so much sense because exactly as you said, you're thinking about the end user all the time. So take that and then into Igloo because that didn't happen straight away. What happened in between that? I DJ'd. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which has got nothing to do with anything else. But I tell you what, if you want to to pick a career that is all about understanding the the customer's needs, um, DJing's right up there, I can tell you that, because uh, if you get that wrong... Um, they just stand and look at you like you're an absolute idiot and why are you playing this? So it is about understanding your audience there. Death on stage. There are a lot of product designers that have got into UX. Mm. I actually think anyone that's 
can step away from something and think in a logical way can make a good UX designer. I mean, it's just understanding how someone's going to use something. So I think that explains why there's such a wide variety of people that have managed to, to find their way into it mm. and all have a different way of approaching it, I think, too. But, yeah, back to DJing. That was the, uh, that was got, that's what got me through uni. So, right. yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I was actually still doing that when I, I started Igloo with a, a mate of mine, Andy, who I met behind a bar, pretty much. So it was all a bit of a, you know, kind of a mid-90s blur. Seemed like a good idea, yeah? yeah. We were just kind of standing around going, that's yeah, this is it. Everyone else is shit. We can do this better. Do you know graphics? Do you know anything? No, but let's do it, you know? And you kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, uh, maybe a bit of an X-Gen thing, but you kind of, you know, you see a bit of that in the startup culture now. Yeah. Um, but I think people are a lot more structured in their thinking and where they think they're going to end up. Um, and how it's all going to go and how much money they're going to make and what the end game is, we had no idea. We just kind of did it because we didn't want to work with anyone else and we thought we could do a pretty good job of it. We didn't really know what we were going to do. So when we started, I was still DJing. Andy was still working. uh, He was still working as an industrial designer actually as well. So, yeah, we sort of did the half-time thing Mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, Igloo just grew to that point where we could, um, you know, we could go full-time with it. So why, why the name? That's funny, isn't it? Everyone asks that. Why are you glue? Well, my second name's Priston, mm-hmm. yeah? Like a piston, Priston. Yeah. And then Andy's was English. And I reckon if you go, if you go Priston English design, it, I don't know, it just sounded like a, maybe a law firm. Right. It just didn't sound cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like coin. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Solid name, you know? Terence Conran. And we had these kind of hard to spell, <laughs> hard to pronounce names. So... Um, you know, one of the things we kind of got onto is going, well, actually, it was a bit of forward thinking. We kind of thought if we had a brand rather than a name, maybe that could be a bit different, could be a bit better. Everyone else named their company after themselves. I think at the time, graphic design companies, there was Cato. Yeah. I always thought, oh, if the main man doesn't turn up to a meeting, what are they going to think? That was actually before the day of URLs, so you didn't even yeah. need to think about that. Yeah. Um, you had to think about trademarks and stuff, but not, not URLs. I remember I really liked one of the inspirational companies at the time. They're still going now. Were like Frog Design, which were, you know, they were the kind of leading industrial design firm back then, you know, and um, they were doing heaps of cool stuff. And I just, I remember thinking I loved the name because frogs are something that generally people like. Like most people don't go hate frogs, (laughs) just unless you're like in Queensland or something. But you know, and it, I think igloo is the same sort of thing. It's one of those things that people kind of get a warm and fuzzy feeling about. And, uh, you know, we got the same. We had a list of, you know, 100 names or so, and that one just stood out as, 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 as just a nice, had a good feel about it. And that was it. There was no more to it than that. So what were your clients like at that point? What sort of work were you doing at the start? Oh, look, in the really early days, we, um, we had a mix of probably industrial design type clients which we're doing things like signage and and little design jobs for for and um and you know kind of our early clients were our mates and our friends and they were all at the you know they were kind of all at the start of their careers then so we were trying to get in at the ground level you know so i wouldn't say in the early days of igloo we were doing big life-changing branding type stuff or anything like that you know we thought it was cool we thought it was awesome we thought we were doing really cool stuff we might have been designing a logo for a 
a cafe in the suburbs or something, but this was going to be the best logo you ever saw, you know? And I don't know, I think maybe it was partly because of the circles I kicked in when I was DJing, but a lot of the people I worked with and I met in that circle have all gone on to be, you know, kind of quite successful people. Um, You know, that crowd, that kind of nightclub crowd, they're traditionally a networking kind of crowd and the ones that, you know, the ones that managed to escape the gravity of, of nightclubs you know, have, have kind of all gone on to, to really bigger and better things. And it's amazing. There's people that, you know, were clients of Igloo, you know, we started over 20 years ago. I'll walk into a boardroom now, you know, and there'll be, you know, there'll be marketing managers of big organisations yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, Melbourne being the town it is, if you, it was all, you know, there was a networking and, mm. and all that sort of stuff. And that was what DJing was all about. It was all about... You know, I mean, I'll, I'll put my hand up and be the first to say I was a shit DJ. I was pretty bad, you know. I was there to have a bit of fun and yeah. earn a bit of cash. And um, But I think I was always a pretty good networker. Yeah. And that was one of the big skills that I think I took out of that. It, it showed me that, you know, you've got to be good at what you do and you've got to understand the crowd and all that. But you don't have to be the guy that knows, you know, every single release that's coming out of the UK well before everyone else to yeah. actually, you know to actually get a club kicking in and and, it, and and being kind of networked with the guys that were running the nights and all the promoters and all that, that was just as important as all the other stuff. And and I don't think anything changes in business, you know. So I think that's a big, you know, that was a lesson learned early, that's for sure. So what I knew Iglo is, mm. was, was not product design or industrial design. It was very much a digital agency and, and probably one of the sort of forefront of, of the digital Things. So where, where where did that change come for you guys? Well, we were look. We were probably a, we were a traditional graphic design agency for the first part. I'll call it the first era. You know, that was probably maybe about eight years. So it aligns with really the web wasn't really around when we started Igloo. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Then we started getting into web sort of stuff, but we were we were doing the fifty fifty thing, and the, it just wasn't the web wasn't that serious then. You know, so you could kind of get away with it. You know, we're doing brochureware type stuff, and it yeah. was, you know, it was it was all just a bit of fun, really. Look, we did. We just reached a point, and uh, I have to say, it was probably Andy. Um, Andy tends to get he tends to get bored with stuff before I do, and I actually think he reached that point where he got a bit bored of graphic design, and we both saw that digital was kind of, you know, it wasn't. You didn't have to be too smart to go. This was the way the world was going to go. Mm. And we tried to be both, and we realised you just couldn't. It just didn't work. Maybe we didn't do it right, but it wasn't working for our clients and the way we were running. So we literally woke up one day and said, "Look, that's it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go digital." Right. And I'll be honest, I was really scared of it at the time because we were doing pretty well out of graphic design. You know, we were up there with with all the guys, and we were, you know, we were busy. We had a good studio full of guys doing great stuff, and you know, making pretty good coin doing it. And uh, to throw that all away was was kind of a bit scary at the time. But, uh, you know, we did it. Did did you have to change staff? Yeah, we did. That was, so that was, you know, there was a few guys there that were were pretty adamant that that was the path that they were going to stay in. They really liked the whole branding, you know, brochure, um, graphic design type stuff and had a couple of finished artists that were like that, that were, you know, that were in that space and they just kind of weren't ready for digital. And, yeah, we, we took on some new guys and we started, you know, I mean, there weren't, back then there wasn't like experienced 
people out there. There weren't people that have been doing it for 10 years, so you could just go out and get someone and help you do it. You kind of were making it up as we went. You know, some of our very first hires were kind of almost some of the first grads that were coming out of uh, the Swinburne multimedia course at the time. Yeah. They were actually, you know, we had a steady stream of of guys coming through that, that way. So I remember they used to do an industry placement year. Yeah. And we used to have quite a lot of them do that. And heaps of them stayed on, and, and yeah, we were kind of... That's what we built the digital business off, I'd have to say. Mm. So, fast forward a little bit, and then you decided... Well, both of you decided to get out of it, or to sell, to sell the business, basically. Yeah. What, what, what brought that about? Oh, look, it was... Uh, we never started the business to sell it, you know, which is, mm. like I was saying, that was kind of the way... Maybe it was an ex-gen thing, but we, we didn't think that far ahead, you know. It was never about selling it or anything like that but which i guess is different to the startup world where it's all about that (laughs) you know people are planning their uh you know what yacht they're going to buy before they yeah yeah so yeah and good on them like god i wouldn't have probably been doing the same thing for 20 years if i'd been a bit smarter there but you know we were kind of i'd say we were a little bit why did we do it we look it's a big question why do you sell your business um Andy and I are both creative, both creative backgrounds. Mm. It also kind of lined up with a time when the web was getting a lot more serious, you know. Um, you couldn't get away with uh, just doing little bits and pieces here and there. You needed, you know, you needed good um, technical stuff going on in the background, you know. You needed really experienced people. You needed people that knew what they were doing. And uh, I think Andy and I as two creatives probably didn't do a really good job of running a business that at its core needed to be technical and in the early days it didn't really need to be technical it needed to be creative and and you know uh, you kind of made up the other stuff as you went but as you've seen now if you know if you don't get the the build bit right Mm -hmm. um it all it all goes to pieces so we learned that the hard way um we kept kind of you know we kept losing pitches at the last minute because they just didn't you know they just didn't trust us to to, to build it for them right. um, when it came to, to really sort of technical stuff. And you needed to be in that game if you are going to be a serious digital agency. So we needed to do something, you know. So we tried, you know, we kind of tried employing technical leads and bringing them into the business and all that sort of stuff. But, again, two creative guys aren't necessarily going to employ the best people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went through that process of creating our own CMS and, you know, all that sort of stuff. We tried partnering with, you know, these sort of tech companies at the time. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of hard because there weren't a lot around and, you know, you really different cultures and all that sort of stuff. And, look, you know, the kind of the stars just aligned with this, this company um, who had technical resources that they'd built up um, building their own brands, building their own products and they kind of didn't quite know what to do with them now that those products were mature. Mm-hmm. So they needed kind of a brand that, you know, so it was kind of like put, put Andy and I on the creative side and our brand together with their technical ability. And, you know, we kind of had a different business. So it allowed us to kind of scale and mature really quickly. We got a, you know, we got a CTO. Oh, yeah. um, we got a bit of cash and we could, we could do all those things. We had people there that knew what they were doing around that side. Which allowed me and Andy to focus on what we were actually, you know, what we were good at. Yeah, getting back into the actual creative. Yeah, winning clients, keeping clients, Mm -hmm. coming up with ideas, all that sort of stuff, building a business and, you know, kind of not getting uh, lost and confused in the kind of the world of 
of technical, which, you know, obviously I understand a lot more now, but back then, um, you know, I was really, we had no idea what we were doing. I look back on some of the decisions we made and <laughs> look, I'm sure if you speak to most guys that were yeah. building digital businesses at that time, they would have made a lot of the same mistakes. Yeah. You know, the outcome could have been different if we'd chosen a different path, you know, if we'd found the right technical leadership and made that maybe the third part of the business, mm. who knows? Um, but that's just not the way it went. So recently, it was probably what, it's a year and a half now, you moved to, into advertising. Oh, look, we, yeah, so we sold the business in 2008. Mm-hmm. Stayed with, I stayed on with Igloo for about another four years. So what's that, 9, 10, 11, 12? 2012. 13, yeah, maybe five years. And then uh, I took a year off and I've come into it. So I've been in advertising now for a year. So I had about a year off there. So the obvious question, and I've asked you this before, so apologies, but why advertising? Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> why not? I'll ask you a question. Why not advertising? Yeah? I guess, I guess it's because I guess advertising and designers have always, you know, they've always been on the, on the battle plans because advertisers are seen to kind of put design in the corner and designers, I guess, think that advertisers don't pay enough respect to the aesthetics or to the, the kind of yeah. the history of design, I guess. You know, it's always that kind of complaint about the advertising agency just wants the logo bigger yeah. as opposed to where it should be or... No, look, I, look, I, I think maybe around design, I don't know, if, I'd probably disagree. Like, they care about design big time here. You've got Finnish artists here that will you know, that will absolutely labour over the layout and the craft yeah. of, of something more than I've ever seen in a long time, to be honest. Right. I think I think the scepticism and, you know, look, everyone sort of said, why advertising? It's kind of like crossing to the dark side <laughs> um, because, you know, I think it was about, I think, a belief within digital agencies that advertising agencies don't get digital, you know, that yeah. they just want to come in and make a TVC and digital is just something that you throw together at the last minute, you know, with a bit of a Facebook campaign or something like that, and and off you go. Mm. But, you know, thinking like that, that was the opportunity that threw it up to me. I think so many people have kind of put that, you know, kind of put that blinker on their yeah. thinking and and um, and have just not even considered advertising as a place to go. Is, yeah. it, is that part of the evolution of the advertising agency as well, in the sense that, you know, the, the TVCs aren't selling as well as they used to and you know the banner ad doesn't really work so they have to really think further into the kind of strategy behind you know yeah, I don't know well it's, it, it, I don't know if you can just throw something out maybe I'm drinking the lolly water here but I don't know <laughs> if you can just throw something out there that says the TVC doesn't sell something yeah, anymore because you know what it call it an online film call it or whatever but yeah. you know we still watch stuff um, yeah. you know I think um Ad agencies uh, have had to evolve and some of them have been pretty slow to evolve and they've now realised that, you know, they need to be offering their communication or their ideas, their awesome ideas across Mm. all the different channels. Um, It's not about just, you know, we've got to do digital. It's about we've got to be where our audience is, you know, and if they're using um, apps and they're using this and they're using that, that's just where they've got to be. So it's just, you know... I know I don't. I hate saying, but it kind of is just another channel. And one day we won't even be talking about it like that. You know, we won't be breaking it off to TV and digital. It'd just be, you know, yeah. it's, all, it's all coming together. 
but you know, I crossed over because I saw that there was a bit of an opportunity there. I reckon for ad agencies um, to do things in a far more integrated way, to actually do things a little bit better. And um, I kind of thought, oh, what would happen if you did throw it? you know, a digital guy that's built a digital agency and knows how to do all that sort of stuff, threw that into an environment that is, um, you know, ridiculously creative. Mm -hmm. And that's why I came over here. I I kind of, I kind of started thinking that, you know, we're doing some great work at Igloo and I look at what all the other digital agencies are doing and they're doing big, you know, I mean, that's where you kind of got to be now if you're a digital agency. You've got to be doing these big platform kind of projects. Are they creative? You know, there's this maybe a bit of a flurry at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a year of build after that. Is the website or the whatever you're building alone, is that changing behaviour? Is that actually having a real mm. effect or is it what the company does, you know? And I just kind of felt that in a digital agency environment, I wasn't necessarily being as creative and I wasn't being around that kind of creative energy as much as I'd like to be. You know, as soon as I walked in the doors here, I could just feel it just flowing out of the walls. Mm. You know, they are, you know, they are just obsessed with coming up with, you know, great ideas all the time. And they're not, you know, they're not sitting around going, I've got to come up with a TVC. They're coming up with brand platforms. Yep. And once you've got a good platform, a good idea, you know, that's where you start coming up with all sorts of extensions to that idea whether it's an app or whether it's a website or whether it's a tvc or whether it's a whatever Mm -hmm. and that's what i like working with i get the opportunity here to work with really really good ideas you know i remember the first day i started here you know they they there was some scripts that were lying around for something that had been written and i like i just laughed i actually laughed out loud which you know we're pretty cool we don't do that We don't lol. And I took it home and I'm like, I'm laughing at this. I'm like, and, you know, for the first time in a long time, I actually was looking at stuff going, I've got, I've got no idea how they came up with that. Like, I just could yeah. not. I just looked at myself and went, I could not come up with stuff like that. It was just so kind of out there. But I could just see it was going to work, you know. Do you, do you think the process is different? In what respect? For a design, uh, the typical kind of process from getting a brief through to kind of the finished product is it different and have you found it different in the advertising world to the design world what surprise i mean look it was a, it was a myth to me coming into advertising i wasn't sure what was going to work you know everyone said and i knew i'd worked with ad agencies at igloo and they were always everything was last minute everything was late nothing was briefed everything was loose you yeah. know and so i was a bit worried about that to be honest i thought that's not you know we spent years at igloo trying to trying to get out of that kind of reactionary, you know, last-minute frantic sort of thing, and I felt like I was throwing myself back into it. And um, all those myths were true, you know. (laughs) Were true. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, everything was last-minute. Everything was, you know, got to do this. Um, You know, and it it came through not a lack of caring about digital, but it it came back – it came through – I think it just came through what they, the world that they knew. I mean, they're in a world where you're looking at a, a file in InDesign, yeah, and you can just look at a bit and just go, I can just move that. And there's no implications. A finished artist just moves it 10 mil to the left. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Then no, I no, move it back to the right a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, we know in digital, as soon as you make a change to something, you know, it can have all sorts of implications. You've got to test it across different devices. Yep. 
you know, you, if you're mucking around with the code, it could actually it could actually mess up somewhere else. Yeah. So it's not as easy as just moving it. So I'd have to say the biggest challenge. No, it's not a challenge. It's just the biggest thing I've had to to try and do here, and it's still a journey to get there. Is to actually bring that kind of digital agency thinking um, into um, a place that didn't think like that. Yeah. And that, that they want it. They're not in. You know, the guys here are, are hungry for it. I'm sure that's what one of the reasons why they got me mm. here, and maybe one of the reasons why they hadn't quite got digital right before. Right. Because you know they needed to be able to do that. I mean, you know, we were. I walked into an environment that was doing brilliant awarded work. You know, all that dumb ways to die stuff and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but. You know, when it came down to actually the quality of some of the digital product and the way it was delivered, you know, small jobs were causing big issues, you know, and they shouldn't have been. Just even one-page kind of campaign sites were, you know, were kind of big meltdown kind of situations. So, you know, getting the process and helping the guys here throughout the whole agency, from the account service team through to the creatives, understand, you know, the digital process and what's required and when to, you know, when to be creative and when to just accept, mm. you know, I've kind of had my chance. Um, and also understanding that digital can evolve as well. I mean, you know, the thing about I think the reason why they kind of love finessing stuff, they, like I'm speaking about them like they still, <laughs> um, to, that, to that nth degree is because once it's done and it's made and it's printed or yeah. it's a TVC and it's, that's it. Yeah. You know, and that's your follow. It doesn't change from then. Whereas we know with digital, it's kind of, you know, digital products evolve, they get better. You learn about how people use them and, you, can, you know, you can improve stuff, mm-hmm. you can change stuff. So, you know, just getting them to that slightly more agile way of thinking that, that you don't have to get it all right in the first moment mm-hmm. and you can learn and do it better and better and better, you know, has changed. So we're starting to get, you know, good digital products out of here now and they're not... You know, they're not being done in a really bad way. I think we're getting some good digital processes in here. It's interesting because we've spoken to a couple of people and they've talked about digital being, uh, in some ways, the never-ending job in the sense that the job never really finishes Mm. because there's always stuff you can improve and, you know, analytics will tell you exactly as you said Mm. that users are using in a certain way that you didn't expect and blah, blah, blah. And they've always talked about how hard it is to get the client to understand that. Mm. But it's interesting that you're, yeah, it's almost like you're also teaching the other creators around you as well to kind of understand that. And it's a very different model for an advertising agency, I imagine. Yeah, that, that said, one thing that the advertising world and I think advertising clients get better than, well, I'll speak for Igloo mm. clients, was the, the concept of a retainer. Right. You know, and I mean, we, we, I'd say we struggled at times, you know, to really get good retainers going. Yeah. It was very project to project, which, which did mean, you know, you're always battling for budget to, to make improvements to a, to a digital project. Yeah. Whereas here, I've actually found it pretty easy to have that conversation with a client that talks about, you know, look, we're going to get it going. And then if we spend X amount per year, just looking after it and getting it better. And yeah. and they, they kind of get that way of thinking. They actually, you know, they actually think along the lines of annual retainer type budgets rather than individual project budgets. Mm-hmm. So I've found that one pretty easy, actually. That's kind of not a bad thing. Hmm. So why McCann over other advertising giants? Yeah, well, I came to McCann, I liked... I liked the size, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're about 60 people here in Melbourne. 
which I think is a good size. You know, it's kind of not too small, mm. and and then it. It's not so big that you don't know everybody. You actually, it feels, you know, it just kind of feels like a slightly bigger igloo, really. Yeah. I love the work that they've, they've done here over the years and I kind of the spirit that's in the place. It's a kind of, you know, they're part, they, look, McCann is part of a global network. There's, you know, I think there's over 190 agencies yeah. or countries that have McCann's in. So it's a big network. We're part of a big global kind of thing. But McCann Melbourne's kind of got this really a little bit of a renegade spirit running in it where we are trying to kind of play a bigger game than, than what we are mm-hmm. and um, we're really trying to play at a global game. We're not trying to be, you know, we're not here turning up to do the best stuff in Melbourne. You know, the guys here are trying to turn up to make the most creative stuff that they can in the world. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the reputation we've got um, from all the dumb ways to die work that, yeah. that happened. You know, that was kind of the most awarded work ever. And, you know, Global Network now, look at McCann, Melbourne, to, to do keep providing that creative stuff. Yeah. You know, that was the sort of, that was one of the things that attracted me. Ben Lilly, who's the CEO here, he's kind of, um, he'd been through a similar journey. He actually started... I think they were actually called Smart Art back in the day, graphic design, and then yeah. he became Smart Advertising and he sold to McCann and then ended up being the CEO here at McCann. Um, he's got a really um, kind of entrepreneurial spirit about him. So there, it just seemed like a really good opportunity to come to a place that was kind of bursting with ideas, amazing people that you know um, I wanted to work with, and there was an opportunity for me to actually create something here. I, feel like I'm, I actually feel like I'm kind of starting up a digital agency in a way. You know, I've got clients, I've got resources, and I've got support around me yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know, to help do that. So it's the ultimate startup. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm. I, I kind of. It's funny, I know people are. People do wonder what's it like going for working for yourself to working for someone else. And I look. If anything, it's maybe it's given me a definitely given me an empathy to to what the guys running the, the business are going through. Yeah, and I think it helps me understand what needs to be done around the place. You know, I don't need to be managed. I just come in and I kind of do what I think needs doing, you know. I, I turn to the guys here for guidance and, and support um, occasionally, but, you know, I'm not turning the, for them for a list of things to do each week or anything like that. I'm sort of, you know, we've got a loose kind of remit as to what I need to do here and they're kind of letting me go about and do it, which is good. And, it's look, it's a focus here to become, you know, they talk about being an integrated Agency, yeah. they need to be. Their clients need it. The clients need thinking across all the, the touch points, and um, you know they've got the relationship with the clients. The clients want it. They don't actually, you know, sorry to all the digital agencies out there, but they don't want to speak to you know ten different people. The great thing about being an ad agency is that they've done a lot of work and time thinking about the brand, thinking about the customers, understanding the strategy. So we know a lot about our clients' world. We know about their problems and all that sort of stuff. So it's a really good foundation for doing brilliant work, you know. Is is the pace different? Yeah, that I admit that blew me away. I mean, it is it is frenetic. The pace <laughs> is ridiculously fast. Like I think it probably took me the first, you know, first I'd have to say the first half year, I would expect, to actually get the pace. Like, you know, digital can sometimes be kind of painstakingly slow. It can get caught up in um, process. Yeah, just um, getting perfect. Yeah, and look, you know, that that, that can have its good side, but it can also have its bad side. 
you know, the guy, the the things here just come and happen so quickly. I mean, I, the the studio does something thousand pieces of work a month you know it's ridiculous wow you know you've just got to learn to work within that pace but you've just got to make sure i mean that's the challenge is to make sure we still keep those good digital you know the good digital processes going and we don't it's so easy to slip out of it when someone's needing something in three weeks but the reality is, you know, I've found we can actually do things a lot quicker. Hey, Tony, are you, do you find you and the staff spending a lot of time working overtime? Uh, they work pretty hard. I'd say, you know, advertising, uh, from what I've heard, look, this is the only ad agency I've, I've really worked at full time. And um, it, it seems like it's common in the industry. Mm. Um, they do work pretty hard here. Look, I, at the end of the day, and I think this is one of the biggest differences between coming up with a startup and developing a product and being in a service agency service industry is that if you're in a service industry you're accountable to the hours and that's it you know whether it's law digital agency accounting or advertising and find me a successful law agency or you know law firm or or you know accounting firm or you know even you do that don't work hard you know they have to because they they can only charge by the hour really you know necessarily creating product so that is the unfortunate kind of limitation of working in in this this industry that you're accountable to the time you put in mm-hmm. and I, I look you know it's no lie it's uh, people say it you hear it but you see it the, the best work comes when you've really given it a good hard crack you know the first idea isn't you know isn't always that great you know you need that idea to 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 be worked on and then honed and then thought about and thought about and right down to the finest detail that's how you're making a beautiful amazing idea that where every little bit's considered the typography is crafted the words the you know however it's 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 taken out into all the different touch points Mm. you don't do that you know just slopping some stuff together in in WordPress in five minutes. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, feel, I feel like we're doing a bit of a documentary on on advertising, <laughs> but um, I guess it's all right. I'm, I'm on the other side yeah, now. Yeah, no, it's, you know? <laughs> it's, a, it's like we, we've got a mole in the in the advertising camp. Yeah. So here. UX. I mean, is that is that talked about in advertising agencies as much as it is in design studios? In what I mean, in what way would you? I guess I guess every design studio now is talking about that they need more UX, they need to like kind of incorporate UX into whatever they're doing. Mm. Is it talked about like that in in an advertising agency, or is it you know in design studios it was very much a little bit of a slap on the end yeah. sometimes, and now it's very much at the beginning. Yeah, uh, is it like that? Well, look the the pure the pure ad creatives here. Uh, it, it's probably not you know, kind of at the centre of their thinking. And that's kind of okay, you know. I'm helping them understand some of that stuff, but that's not what they're kind of here to do. But, you know, I've got a digital design and UX team here. Mm. They do that. That's what we do, you know, and that's what we bring to it. And we quite often, you know, get kind of ideas for digital products or or sites or whatever that are just not feasible or not usable. But on the flip side... You know, thinking like that will lead to occasionally something that you haven't thought of. I mean, the problem, but I, I think it's a problem and a, a bit of a limitation with with UX now as well, is that 
you know, we're, we're so honed in our understanding of, of everything mm. that you kind of know what to do. You know, there's, there's agreed best practice and design patterns. And, you know, in a way, I mean, this might, I don't know, people probably disagree with this, but, you know, in some ways the concept of, you know, pure UX could be dead, you know. And I think now UX to me is about the, the detail, you know. It can mm. go right down to the, the copy that's used. That's still user experience, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, some, something like that in a digital agency is quite often not even thought about. You know the actual, the actual copy that's used throughout, and and how someone's going to do that sort of stuff, and and whether the copy on that button is better than the copy on that button. But when it comes to you know how things need to fit together, we know from all our data and all our analytics what works and what doesn't work. You know, if you're going to build a shopping site, you do this. You have the filters on the left. You'd, you know, yeah. uh, you know. But on the flip side, you know, every now and then you need some thinking that just that thinks outside that square to break that mould because, yeah. you know, otherwise it won't evolve. And it does evolve. It has to evolve. Devices change, you know, the way we live, the way we work, um, the way we interact with each other changes. UX, just like graphic design did, it can fall into a bit of a, you know, it can fall into a bit of a rut, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, I, I see some of the stuff that is coming out of uh, some young UX designers I don't think it's breaking any, you know, it's yeah. not showing me anything new. I mean, yeah. really, you kind of, you know, you went to school to learn to do a, a big banner at the top and three, you know, three promo banners underneath it and list your news, news and, yeah. you know, really? So, you know, UX is going to, I think, is going to shine with the few that actually really get into the detail of making a difference within those kind of frameworks yeah. and then occasional disruptive thinking. That's just gonna. That just rattles everything a bit. Mm. And I, I look, to be honest, I reckon we're we're ready for a bit of that now. We've, I, I kind of feel like, and I'll put my hand up and say I'm in this bucket as well. We've got a bit lazy, you know. We're designing stuff that kind of looks the same, whether it comes from a different country, you know. There's it, mm. we, we're doing stuff to to that fits within these, you know, design patterns, and it's it, a lot of that's got to, to do with using frameworks and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Something's got to come and change that. There was that wonderful article recently, which um, he just—he was talking about that kind of that thin type um, over an image, um, and just about how prevalent it is. And then he went out and he—he he thought he was going to find about sort of five or six sites to kind of back up his story, and he found like forty or fifty sort of sites mm. that were all just using almost the same typography, and, and just that real. And I guess you know, as templates, you know, start to evolve better and better, and. You know, yeah. you've, you've got the kind of sites that design themselves now, and it's it's almost like we need to break away from that. We need to we need this sort of David Carson kind of approach to. Yeah, well, you know, and you've got Google fonts. Everyone's using those because you know they render really well. They're free. Therefore, we're all using the same fonts because yeah. there's only you know there's kind of a they don't all look great, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know uh, where something's got to change that i mean where you know you just said it there's sites that are going to design themselves mm. well there are they exist now you've got to have a really good reason now if you're going to do something kind of really bespoke mm. um i think our industry you know we talk about it all the time we're always asking our clients disruption disruption do this change that yeah. i think our industry itself is about to di- be disrupted big time by some something like that you know mm. because um to me, it feels like 
it, we've all just fallen into this little pattern of just this is the way you do things, mm. you know. And um, you know, thanks to a bit of you know globalization, stuff looks the same whether it's pretty much coming out of. I mean, even the stuff that used to come out of Brazil used to like look different. Now it all, we all look the same, you know. Whether it's UK or Australia, I don't think it's that different anymore. It's not. So, you know? so what do you think that the disruption will be? Because I guess I've spoken to some people and they, they were talking about this idea of the kind of the creative as the client sort of thing that, that creators will start to start producing their own products more and more mm. um, because they've got that insight that they can sort of and the you know thinking about the user and thinking about and, and also knowing how to then put it into production yeah. and how to, how to actually finish it. I don't think I look. I don't spend too much time thinking about it as much as I used to. When I was obviously running Igloo, mm. I used to think a lot, a lot about where's the future? What's this business going to be like in five years? You know, technology was getting outsourced. Um, it was getting harder and harder to compete with with all sorts of things. Yeah. You know, everything was falling into patterns, and I was starting to you know where was it all going to go? And um, I, I don't spend that much time thinking about that. You know, I've kind of. I'd rather be shaping what the future looks like than worrying about what yeah. it is. And I think one thing that can never die um, and can never be replaced by a by an algorithm, uh, well, hopefully not too soon anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, though it probably can be, is, is creative thinking and ideas and products. Whether digital agencies are in that space or not, mm. that they probably need to be, but it's I've always... I haven't seen too many good examples of digital agencies that have been able to be servicing others and doing their own good stuff. There's yeah. not many good examples of that. Um, but when you are actually creating your own product, you're changing the way someone does something, mm. um, it's far less about what it looks like and, you know, it, it is, it's all about what it does mm. and it's all about the problem that it solves. Yeah. That's why I think places like an ad agency are in a really good position to be doing that. Well, no, they're thinking about, they are thinking about a client's problem Mm. and quite often that's the brief Mm. and therefore quite often the output will be some sort of a digital product that actually does something, you know, Mm. that actually helps the customers do something, an app or this or that, you know. So, you know, but again, Ad agencies aren't good at creating their own products. They're doing it on behalf of someone else, you know. So the people that are that are going to shape the future are the, are the ones that are thinking creatively and solving problems. Mm. And that hopefully can't be replaced too soon. But I, I pretty much think everything else can be. I mean, you know, we've grown up in, a, in an era, I've grown up in an era where anything's possible. Mm. And once you get over that and start trying to get comfortable with stuff, then you just accept, you know, what if in five years you don't have to do anything? And it's not even, you know, it's all feasible. Mm. It's all feasible that, that, you know, you'll just spit in some stuff and it'll just spit out exactly what you need, be it an app, be it a website, be it a, you know. Mm. And um, that's why I think you've just got to, you know, I'd be be wondering about the future if I was a, a digital agency. You know, I think there's space for... Big digital agencies, yeah. I and mean, you've seen it. You know, Reactive sold to Accenture. You've got Deloitte Digital kicking goals. Isobar are yeah. doing really, really well. But I'd be a bit worried if I wasn't one of those sort of big players. Mm. If I didn't have scale, and I, you know, and if I was trying to, 
you know, I, I'd be I'd be thinking a lot more about doing my own stuff or mm. shifting into product development rather than just executing kind of other people's stuff. I guess I guess what Nick Hallam is kind of doing with Joan is is a little bit like that in the sense that they do a lot of their own products as well as sort of working for clients and it's that keeping small but being able to kind of I don't know, create kind of the, the, the kind of income that can then you know you've got a product out there and it just sort of starts paying paying for itself after a while mm. um, while you're then working on another product and bringing in another client and that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, I think about the skills that we've got. You know, we're digital agencies and ad agencies. We're only we're kind of only one good idea away from creating something that could generate income for ourselves. Mm. Um, we just leave that part out. We do every other thing so well, you know. We, we come up with beautiful ideas and really good thinking and mm. and we design it well and we can build it well and we can launch it well yeah. and we can make sure millions of people see it and use it. But at the end of the day, we're only being paid for that in a, you know, generally in a, in a service way. You know, we never got there in Igloo where we were actually, I guess, involved in the, you know, the, the remuneration in, in terms of, being part of it as a partner when you're running a big agency it's a bit messy Mm. it's hard to you know you can't pay people on that maybe if you're a nice small kind of there's only a few of you Mm. you know little dev shop maybe dev shops could do that you know a bit more partner on projects how how does google do because google has their 20 percent time don't they where they they like 20 percent of the time of the employee's time is supposed to be just working on Mm. something that's what it says on the website. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, mean, maybe, I'd yeah. say they... Because um, you, know. you raise a really good point. Like, the advertising agencies could do everything, can actually, you know, produce amazing kind of, like, groundbreaking mm. stuff that they could own. But Google's a product company. Mm. I mean, that's... It's just a, a different way of going about business. Yeah. They are there to create products, and, you know, I'm sure their business is structured around, you know, like all product companies releasing new things all the time Mm. um that's not the way service agencies like digital agencies or uh or ad agencies work they're about how many clients they're going to have um so it's a different way of thinking but you know i can't begin to imagine what a place like this could do with a really good idea if it came out of here They've got all the mechanisms to do it, yeah, and and, the and make sure it gets it's seen and used. Because the global scale as well. In that. Well, there's plenty of good ideas out there that don't get seen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, there's millions of digital products that are being developed, apps, all sorts of things mm. every day. I'm sure there's great ideas out there that you know mm. they just don't get seen. You know, there's plenty of good ideas that have failed. So. Um, that's something that an ad agency you'd think would be able to actually at least ensure that a lot of people saw it yeah, and had a yeah. go of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And drive it from start to finish. Yeah, and look, to be honest, that's kind of something that, you know, I'd like to be involved in, I think. Um, you know, I've got a, I've still got a, a, a journey here. There's, there's plenty I'd like to do here. Yeah. There's t- stacks I want to achieve, and even within the walls of here, but I'd, I'd love to be involved in actually developing a product and in product development i don't know if i get bored of it though i mean you know i do i do like to i do like to move around it you know mentally to different projects and stuff and i don't know what it would be like to actually just work on one thing (laughs) and you know just get into the absolute detail of that and get you know but but i reckon if you if that one thing is uh and look i'm you know i've actually got a few of these things that i'm doing on the side but when that one thing is actually making you 
personally income, mm. it, you can get a bit, you know, you can get into that. Um, it's that passive income kind of thing, isn't it? So you can build something, set it out to sort of go into the world. and Yeah, and then you can look at tweaking things on it and seeing if that actually makes it perform better and people mm. use it better or it sells more things and, you know, but, I'm, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to be... I'd, I'd like to be involved in something like that. And yeah. in my year off, I, I worked with a couple of startups and I, I, I love the energy. I kind of, everyone's, you know, everyone thinks they're going to take over the world. Yeah. This thing's going to be fucking huge. We're going to be rich, you know, and everyone's going to use it. But I, I think it was just the ones that I was involved in were just things that I personally wasn't passionate about. Right. So that's why I didn't, I didn't stick it out with them. But I, I, that was in a kind of UX design, just, you know, you you do everything when you go to these sort yeah. of places because there's only a couple of people. You know, I guess I've been described as a bit of a slashy. Have you heard that one, the slashy? Yeah. Yeah, and that sort of suited me. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you, you, you're doing a bit of everything. But, um, yeah, I just didn't have the passion for what these things I was working on were doing. And I, that's one thing I've learned. I can't, if I, if I don't, if my heart's not in it, yeah. I can't kind of give it everything. You know, I'm not, I'm not there to just turn up to work. So, you know, that's something, and I'd love to see, you know, I think if an agency could think progressively like that, this is the place. I mean, this place is definitely not trying to play catch-up. You know, McCann wants, and I hope will be, you know, one of the, I call, you know, we're always talking about it as the post-digital agency, agency where it's, it, it, it is just a communications agency mm. that, that executes across all these different channels, whatever they are now and whatever they're going to be. Yeah. It's all seamless. It's not, oh, they should, they should be doing that. And I look at, I mean, I even look at some of the, you know, I look at some of my favourite kind of digital agencies, you know, like I must say I love the work that the guys at Stink Digital do. Yeah. And, um, you know, they do really, really cool stuff and nearly all of it's for ad agencies, mm. you know. So I look at that and I go, what's, what's stopping other than having a few of those people within their walls, what's stopping the ad agency doing that? Mm. You know, the only reason they're not is because they probably aren't resourced to at that time. But, you know, that that to me is the future communications agency and that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to build here. So there's stacks to do to get to that. Mm. So you've been doing some presentation sessions sort of um teaching our guys how to how to pitch to clients more or less or present your work, like basically verbally communicate. Uh, this kind of um, digital and visual communication and they've been really loving it and I, I hear from my spies that you've been really enjoying the sessions yourself hopefully quite genuinely and I just wanted to kind of hear just a just a minute or two just on um, like usually standing up in front of people and talking about design work is one of the scariest things that anyone can do and I just want to kind of get your take on it yeah look you've heard you've heard Raj um uh, I do love doing it actually I've, I've always loved that side of doing a bit of teaching I kind of see it more as kind of a mentoring thing I'm, I'm not kind of a teacher um, you know even back in the back in the early days I used to go to Swinburne a couple of times a year and and uh, and do talks and things like that but one thing I yeah I really like one of the things I love about the business I'm in and and the world we live in now is this is pitching and and you know helping helping people buy an idea you know and that's something we do a lot of here at McCann and uh we did a lot at Igloo and you know it's 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 a big part of what we do because I tell you I've seen you know I've seen a lot of really good ideas and I guess this is the kind of foundation of what what I'm trying to teach with the guys down at Tractor but I've seen a lot of 
really good ideas let down by really poor presentations, you know. And, you know, you even look at that startup world now, and that startup world's all about, you know, the pitch and getting people to invest in it and being able to sell your idea in, you know, in 30 seconds you've got to be able to sell it. And and you're right, a, a lot of designers, I mean, I think as designers we're kind of inherently we're a little bit introverted. So, you know, I love doing these sessions because I kind of bring the guys out of their shell, um, get them comfortable talking and then give them a, a framework to actually present their idea um, in a way where we as the panel, if we're marking it, can buy it. And that's, you know, I think the skills they'll learn there are skills that they'll, you know, they'll carry forever. You know, you never stop selling. I mean, I'm, you know... Cool quote someone that's kind of my era but Bono mm. I remember saying many years ago and it stuck in my head Bono said we're all salesmen and he, I think he's right you know whatever whatever game you're at whatever level you're at you're always got to sell stuff and to think that you're that you know you're that shit hot or you're that cool or you're that awesome or your design's that good that someone's just going to throw themselves at it well you know there's a couple of people that have got away with that I'm not one of those people you know so getting that across and 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 bringing that design or whatever it is you're trying to get across into your client's world and making them relate to it um, and not just talk about colour um, and not just talk about why you picked that font and not make it about you but make it about them, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I enjoy doing it and I love seeing, you know, seeing the students. I've done it a few times now and I love seeing where they go just from, you know, the start to their final presentation are kind of... You know, I feel like a uh, I feel like a proud dad sometimes. You know, because I, I I know the journey they've gone through, and I I see them sitting there presenting their stuff to guys that don't know yeah. what they've gone through, and to see how you can improve so quickly, and they are. I mean, they're skills that I've picked up and been taught and mentored, uh, been mentored over the years. You carry them forever. You never let them go. So yeah, something I enjoy doing, and um, yeah, hopefully I'll get the opportunity to keep doing it. Fantastic. Pretty awesome. much takes us that to does, our time. Flynn? Yeah, thanks very much. So that does take us to the end. So just do kind of the, the outro thing. We'd like to thank you for listening to Australian Design Radio. So let's just go around the table. Um, so Matt, where can people find you after the show? Uh, Leedsworth on Twitter. And Tony, where can people find you? Tony Priston. I'll spell it for you. T-O-N-Y-P-R-Y-S-T-E-N. Cool. Perfect. And you can find me at flynntracy.com or on Twitter at flynntracy. So you can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUS Design Radio. Until then, thanks for listening and thanks, thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks. thanks.